Hello everyone, my name is Art Lightstone and this is Green Neighbor, a podcast that explores climate change, helps people make sense of the conflicting messages they might hear about climate change, and outlines ideas about how we can all take meaningful actions to fight climate change and hopefully stave off the worst impacts of global warming. So after hearing about Tesla's recent worldwide price cuts, I thought I would share this news and discuss why this is such an important development with respect to sustainable transportation and, indeed, climate change. According to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, a typical passenger vehicle emits about 4.6 metric tons of carbon dioxide each year. The EPA also points out that transportation, overall, is responsible for 27% of American CO2 emissions annually, and of that, passenger cars, medium and heavy-duty trucks, and light-duty trucks, including SUVs, pickup trucks, and minivans account for over half of those emissions. So figuring out how to drive without burning fossil fuels is a really important step towards reducing emissions and achieving the 45% reduction in emissions that all signatories to the Paris Agreement are trying to achieve by 2030. So first I'm going to talk about the price cuts and then I'll try to provide some context for these cuts and talk a bit about the different perspectives on these price cuts. Now, while these cuts seem to have started out in the United States, they quickly spread to markets in China, Europe, Canada, and even Australia. Given that most of my audience resides in the United States and Canada, I will go over the price cuts in detail for those two countries, but I would encourage listeners residing in Europe, China, or Australia to take a look at the Tesla website to learn how these price cuts have impacted their regional markets. Starting with the United States, here is an outline of the price reductions across the Tesla lineup. The Model 3 rear-wheel drive dropped by $3,000 from $46,990 to $43,990. The Model 3 Performance dropped by $9,000 down to $53,990. The Model Y Long Range dropped by $13,000 all the way down to $52,990. The Model Y Performance also dropped by $13,000 down to $56,990. The Model S dropped by $10,000 down to $94,990. The Model S Plaid dropped by $21,000 down to $114,990. The Model X dropped by $11,000 down to $109,990. And the Model X Plaid dropped by $19,000 down to $119,990. At the time of this recording, the Canadian dollar is trading at $1.34 Canadian for one US dollar. So it is worth quickly outlining the new price structure in Canada. Here it is. 
In Canada, the Model 3 rear-wheel drive dropped by $5,000 from $59,990 to $54,990. And I'll talk about why that is so important a little later on. The Model 3 performance dropped from about $84,000 to about $73,000. The Model Y long range dropped from about $87,000 to about $70,000. The Model Y performance dropped from about $84,000 to approximately $73,000. The Model S long range dropped from about $137,000 down to approximately $123,000. The Model S Plaid dropped from 178590 to 149990 The Model X Long Range dropped from 157990 to 142990 And the Model X Plaid dropped from 185590 to 156,990. It might be worth noting to some folks in Canada who had their eye on the seven-seater Model Y that that particular model was quietly increased by $1,300. It is also worth noting that in November of 2022, Tesla's creeping price hikes on all of its models in Canada disqualified even its entry-level Model 3 from Canada's federal EV rebate program known as IZEV, or the Incentive for Zero Emissions Vehicles. However, after the recent price cuts, the 2023 Tesla Model 3 rear-wheel drive is once again eligible for the federal IZEV rebate in Canada. 5,000 bucks, yo! right? As was already the case, none of the other Tesla models are eligible for that rebate program. So, as you can see, these price drops are dramatic, and it is no wonder why the media is reporting on this event with headlines such as, Tesla's massive price cuts send shockwaves across auto industry, or Tesla price cuts are already disrupting the industry, and Tesla's price cuts are roiling the car market. Now, Fudsters who are paid to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt about the electrification of transportation will, of course, try to frame these price cuts as evidence of a lack of demand for Teslas or for electric vehicles in general. The reality, however, is that EV sales continue to increase dramatically all over the world. In fact, over some periods of time during 2022, electric vehicles in some markets actually became the top-selling vehicles. For example, in November of 2022, the Tesla Model Y became the best-selling vehicle in Europe. And in December of 2022, the Tesla Model Y and Model 3 were the top two selling vehicles in the United Kingdom. To be clear, this is out of all cars, not just EVs. In the US, the overall car market shrank in 2022, yet EV sales increased by two-thirds. Elon quickly put the question of demand to rest in the 2022 Q4 earnings call held on January 25th, 2023. Here's what he had to say about the question of demand. The most common question we've been getting from investors is about demand. So I want to put that uh, concern to rest. Uh, 
thus far in January, we've, we've seen the strongest orders year to date than, than ever in our history. Um, we, we currently are seeing orders at well, almost twice the rate of production. So, I mean, that, that, it's hard to say whether that will continue at twice the rate of production, but the orders are, are high. And, um, and we've actually raised the model at Y price a little bit in response to that. So then, if demand is so strong for Teslas, both before and after the price cuts, why then did Tesla cut their prices across the board? Essentially, there are three major reasons why these cuts occurred. Let's go over them. Reason number one. Tesla, of course, wants to take advantage of the new government incentives offered inside the United States starting January 1, 2023, under the new Federal Inflation Reduction Act, which is basically a funny title for the new Federal Green Initiatives Law. And, like most EV incentive laws, the Inflation Reduction Act sets a cap on the price of vehicles eligible for government incentives. Otherwise, the government would essentially be helping wealthy people buy all kinds of high-priced luxury cars, and that clearly would not be right. With that in mind, only sedans under $55,000 and SUVs and vans under $80,000 qualify for a tax credit of up to $7,500 per vehicle. Moreover, these limits are based on a vehicle's MSRP, not on any particular final sale price. So, a heavily discounted luxury car still would not qualify. Reason number two. Tesla's newest gigafactories in Germany and Texas are currently ramping up their production. It's hard to even know what the current capacity of these new factories are, not to mention the previously established gigafactories in Fremont, California, Sparks, Nevada, and Shanghai, China. However, we know from an earnings call in July of 2022 that Tesla was said to have a capacity of about 2 million vehicles per year. Suffice to say that over the next 12 months, Tesla will quite likely be able to start producing numbers far more in line with its theoretical capacity. And that's not even including the semi-trucks that will be produced in Nevada or the Cybertruck that will be produced in Texas. Not to mention the fact that with these new factories coming online, shipping Tesla vehicles to worldwide markets will also become increasingly faster and cheaper. Reason number three. The world desperately needs electric vehicles to become far more accessible to much larger markets. And Tesla has long had a goal of making their cars more affordable to the masses. Elon once again spoke to this very point during the recent earnings call on January 25th, 2023. Right, basically price really matters. Um, I think there's just a vast number of people that want to buy a Tesla car, but can't afford it. And, and so these price changes really make a difference um, for the average consumer. It's, it's sometimes, um, you know, for those for people who are well, you know, have a lot of money, they, they sort of forget about how important affordability is. Um, and it has, it's always been our goal at Tesla to make cars that are affordable to as many people as possible. So I'm glad that we're able to do so. 
In summary, these price cuts are good news for anyone who has had their eye on a Tesla but felt they were priced out of reach. Moreover, other EV manufacturers will likely have to match these price reductions in cases where their prices may no longer be competitive. The Ford Mach-E is one such example. On January 30th, 2023, Bloomberg News reported on Ford's price reduction in an article entitled, Ford Cuts Price of Electric Mustang Mach-E in Response to Tesla. So really, this is invariably good news for anyone who has had their eye on an electric vehicle, regardless of make, model, or brand. You can read more about these recent price cuts and any of the other trends or data that I've mentioned in this episode in the show notes of this podcast or in the description of this video, depending on what platform you're using. Before I move on to the analytical tools and resources and the taking action segments of this episode, I want to end this segment with a comment that Elon Musk made in the 2022 Q4 earnings call. A comment that reiterates the importance not only of these recent price cuts, but also the relevance that Tesla as a whole plays with respect to the issue of climate change and sustainability. That's always worth remembering that the, the three pillars of a sustainable energy future are um, obviously uh, electric vehicles, uh, solar and wind, and then the third key item is stationary storage to store the energy from solar and wind because obviously the sun doesn't shine all the time and the wind doesn't blow all the time. So if you have those three things, you can, uh, you can convert all of Earth to a fully sustainable situation. Uh, many times over, actually. So um, I would like to just, you know, make it clear that there, there is a path to a, a fully sustainable future for humanity. And we, our goal at Tesla is to accelerate progress on that path as much as humanly possible. Analytical tools and resources. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, you will hear a lot of conflicting perspectives and messages when it comes to virtually anything related to climate change or sustainable living, including the electrification of transportation. Now, in general, knowledge of these issues is invariably the best way to insulate yourself against and even combat disinformation. However, I understand that not everybody has the time to become an expert in all of these areas, so I thought I would share one rather quick and simple thing that anyone can do when they come across a story, a rumor, or a perspective regarding electrification or sustainable living that perhaps sounds a bit suspicious. Snopes.com is a great place to go if you want to quickly fact-check any suspicious-sounding story. I'll give you one example. There's an anti-electric car post that you might have come across on Twitter or Facebook showing what is alleged to be hundreds of failed electric cars abandoned in a field, allegedly with their batteries leaking toxic chemicals into the ground. Snopes published an article explaining the reality behind the picture. 
In their article entitled, Were These Electric Cars Abandoned Because Their Batteries Failed? Snopes explains that a French car-sharing company by the name of Autolib had failed because they only had 4,000 cars for over 100,000 subscribers and because they just couldn't compete with Uber. Most of Autolib's cars were in decent condition and ended up getting sold, but a private company eventually stored some of the cars that weren't in very good condition in a lot in France. Not because the vehicle's storage cells had failed, but because the Autolib car-sharing program proved not to be a viable business model. Beyond that, Snopes also established that the batteries had all been removed from the vehicles pictured in the original disinformation post. Snopes won't necessarily have an article for every disinformation campaign out there, but they do tend to address most of the popular ones. So, the next time you hear a story that doesn't quite sound right, go see what Snopes might have to say about it. Taking Action as I mentioned earlier in this episode, driving vehicles that burn fossil fuels contributes a great deal to our overall carbon emissions. So anything a person can do to avoid generating these emissions is a big win for the environment and, quite frankly, for the future of civilization. EVs of course, are a great way to reduce emissions. According to a 2022 study led by Argonne National Laboratory, EVs will produce about half the emissions of an equivalent gas car over their lifetime. Other studies are even more optimistic about an EV's potential to cut emissions. But I want to make it clear that buying an electric vehicle is not your only option when it comes to reducing your transportation footprint. Depending on your individual circumstances, there may be plenty of other options that you could potentially explore, such as working from home, carpooling, taking public transportation, riding a bike, or using a lighter form of e-mobility, such as a fun utility vehicle from Arkimoto, electric motorbikes, electric bicycles, electric scooters, and so on. These are all ways that an individual can reduce their personal transportation emissions, not to mention the fact that they are, at the same time, great ways to save money on gas, insurance, and maintenance. I also want to emphasize that reducing your transportation emissions is not an all-or-nothing proposition. Just like most things in life, be it investing, fitness, diet, or education, none of these things are accomplished all at once or are the result of any single action. They are really the long-term result of regular habits. So, if you can figure out a way to drive half as much, then you will have effectively cut your transportation emissions in half. David Kempton and Peggy Stevens are two people I know who immediately come to mind when I think of this philosophy. David and Peggy are a husband and wife duo who are both bike enthusiasts and who passionately advocate for biking as a way to reduce personal emissions. They're both members of New Market Cycles, a community bicycle hub that works towards building bike culture in Canadian communities. I asked David and Peggy how often they're able to ride their bikes, especially in the harsh conditions we experience here in Canada during the winter. Here is just some of what they told me. Our goal is to either walk or use our bikes for all trips in Newmarket. Um, and that works out pretty well. We, we use the term pedal assist because uh, our bikes, while they are 
have a battery assist. They don't work unless we pedal. So it distinguishes them from e-bikes that where you don't have to pedal. The road conditions in the winter slow us down a little bit because sometimes we can't take the bike and we have to walk. But it's a year-round mode of transportation uh, for in-town trips. Yeah, we used to keep track of... Uh you know, were we using the bike every month? We actually started that before we got the pedal assists because people used to say, well, nobody rides in winter, and we, we knew that wasn't true. Uh, we don't even keep track anymore because it's just what we do. Just 12 months of the year, at some point, we're going to be riding to yeah. get to, just to get stuff done. And we're still uh, fit enough and young enough that for our recreational cycling, um, we use our, as somebody coined the term, our acoustic bikes, um, but at, in our 70s, um, having that pedal assist makes the decision to cycle to the grocery store or to the doctors or wherever, Main Street for coffee, um, it's a no-brainer. For sure. A lot of days, uh, the car just stays in the garage. We don't use it at all because we walk a certain distance and anything that we feel we need to get there faster or it's farther away. Uh, like our, our doctor is about uh, four kilometers away, five kilometers away, uh, one way. And so, yeah, we'll bike there rather than, rather than walking. The in-town uh, transportation is almost exclusively walking or on the pedal-assist bikes. Um, yeah. And in town, too, if we have, uh, well, for example, if we have to go and get an 18-kilogram bag of dog food, uh, some people could do that on their bikes, but we're not going to do that on the bike. <laughs> but we can easily manage a bag of potatoes and uh, onions and carrots and all that other stuff that's heavy. We both have um, big panniers on our bikes, so it's easy to grocery shop um, using the pedal assist bikes. Yeah. In terms of how often do we have to charge the batteries and all those other kinds of questions, it's like we get 80 kilometers and it's... Like, we're not using them for great distances, so keeping the battery charged up is, is absolutely simple. And they're easy to ride. Yeah. And they're fun. Very, they're, <laughs> very, they're very stable. Very, very stable. So when Peggy goes to uh, her book club up in Sharon, that's about seven kilometers one way. Going up Leslie Street, you know, even if it's windy, it's just, they're so stable. Yeah, yeah. Get a, pe get a pedal assist bike. Get a pedal assist bike, yeah. It's uh, really, really worth it. It'll keep you going. You'll get places without being sweaty. And your carbon footprint is really small. Yeah, yeah, like almost nothing. To my mind, David and Peggy really highlight the fact that if a person has a will to reduce their personal emissions, there are plenty of options to explore. And in the case of biking, it's also a great way to incorporate regular fitness into one's daily habits. Well, that will wrap things up for this episode of Green Neighbor. I hope you've learned a few things, gained some insights, and picked up an idea or two that you can start using today to take action on climate change. For more ideas on how to act on climate, please visit the Green Neighbour website at www.green-neighbour.com. And I'll point out that neighbour is spelled the Canadian way. If you have any questions, thoughts or ideas, please drop me a line over email or social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. 
I'm Art Lightstone, your green neighbor, asking you to take good care. Oh, 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 oh